Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. There's a lot of kiddos this morning, huh? It's the church in training right there. You know, Lonnie didn't, t- didn't, well, he didn't tell you the whole story. Samuel came in here earlier and he said, hey, we're getting, I'm getting the plastic cups out and everything ready. And I said, uh, I said, well, just do whatever Lonnie asked you to do. He kind of looks at me. I said, Lonnie's helping you, right? And he's like, Lonnie's not here yet. So I said, don't pour any juice. Don't do anything. But what I said, Lonnie's the boss, whatever he asks you to do, you know. So, you know, I, I laughed about that also this morning. I was like, man, this kid. But, uh, you know, man, that's what I want. I want my children serving in the house. I want them being excited about the things we're excited about. And, uh, you know, a kid comes and asks me, I mean, I'm not going to tell him, no, you can't help. You know, I mean, you know, and it's not a bias. It's not saying it's just my son. You know, if your children come and ask me to serve in the house, what do you think I'm going to do as the pastor of this church? We're going to release them to serve in the house, and then we'll... We'll mess up all kind of doctrinal belief systems of saying, well, aren't they young? And then I'll have to preach on saying, don't you know that it says don't worry about your age or what people think or people's opinions, but just follow the leading of the Lord because I think we wait too long to get our kiddos involved in ministry. And uh, I think if we do it right, they'll be a part of ministry their whole lives. Amen? We need a seventh quarter stretch. Everybody's okay? Yeah, worship team's like, we're, we're feeling it. And th- this, this morning, we are going to start looking at, um, last year, you know, we covered the framework for some of the things that we really felt were in the heart of God for the, for the new year. And, you know, six months out, I was asking God, what is the plan for 2020? You're like, six months out? Yes. That, I mean, really that far out, I began to ask God. And you know what he showed me at six months out? Absolutely Nothing. You know, and I'm nervous because I'm like, okay, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be leading the church, and I have no clue what we're doing. Well, as it got closer and closer, I got a little more urgent. Like, all right, Lord, hey, you don't tell me you're going to look foolish. You know, we got, we got in that end. And one thing that I learned is that God will show you the direction you need when the direction is needed. So what do you do when you don't have direction? Keep the course. You know, some of you are like, well, I've been on this road a long time. Well, you know, when does something change? When will something new and adventurous come along? If the Lord has not redirected you or given you new insight, stay the course. Now, some of us aren't even on the course. They're, we're just, we're, we're waiting. We want, you know, when, you know, when you're trying to go somewhere you don't know and you're trying to load it in the GPS and it's like calculating, but you don't, you don't want to leave because you're in Bay City. You need to go know if you're going 35 or you're going 60. You do not move because you don't know where to go. But that only happens when you are already stopped. How many of you guys have heard it's easier to turn a vehicle when it's moving rather than it's par- when it's parked? So one thing that God wants to encourage each of us, I believe, personally, corporately, is that when we don't know what to do, we stay the course, we stay proactive. We, uh, um, one thing I want to encourage you guys to do is set achievable uh, goals. How many of you always set over-realistic goals? I'm going to save the world this year. I'm going I'm to lose 250 pounds, and I weigh 250 pounds. 
it's not going to happen, but we set these goals that are already unachievable, and, and, but we have to allow God to be involved in the plans that we make. You know, we shared, uh, you know, I always share that, you know, we make our plans, but it's God that directs our steps. So this, this, uh, this morning, we're going to look at, you know, there's so many cliche things right now about 2020 vision, you know, who wants to have 2020 vision? And they say, you know, so I'm not going to, I'm going to let all the memes and all of the Facebook do all of that. I'm going to try not to get caught in that. But I do believe that as we, as we go forward, that God wants to give us vision. He wants to give us mission. He wants to uh, identify our culture here at the church and identify what he wants our culture to be. And then he also wants us to be connected. So we're going to talk about all four of those dynamics this morning. So the word mission and vision are two key components to define an organization or a church. And this morning, we're going to start by looking at our vision and our mission before we even start looking at our church culture, okay? So vision statement always answers this question. It says, why we exist and what will we be in the future, you know, it's, that's a good question. What do I want? You know, like when we're going through school, you know, what's, what's one thing we always ask our children? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, in the life of the church, we want to say, you know, when we see one year, we see three year, we see five year, we see 10 year plans. Where do we want to be in the future life of this church? I know when I first came on board, it, you know, I had a guy ask me, he says, well, what's your five year, 10 year plan? I said, I don't know. I'm trying to survive year one. That was just realistically where I was at. I could not envision. I was figuring out what in the world I'm doing. You know, what are the expectations? What are the requirements? What does God want me to do? How has he built me? Because I served under Pastor Bobby. And I know right out of the gate, there was some comparison. They said, well, will you be like Pastor Bobby? I said, absolutely not, but I can promise to be Pastor Noe. And that's what it was all about, being who God had called me to be. Is it a little different? Absolutely. Pastor Jim, when he, when, he, when he served as pastor, I'm sure it looked different than what it looks like today. But I think we thrive when we are ourselves. When we thrive in how God has built us, not in trying to copycat somebody else. So we have to know why we exist and what the future holds. So a mission statement is what we do and how we are going to do it today. So one of them looks at the here and now. What we're doing right now is the mission statement, and the vision statement is long vision, what I see long term, what I, where I want to be going. You know, I know sometimes when we have goals and we set goals and we're focusing on the task at hand, every now and then it is important to look up and see where you're going. Because you can so, be so busy on the mission where you're walking around and you're walking and you're going the wrong way and, and the vision is supposed to be pointing a certain direction because you were focused on the mission, which is the here and now. God wants us to be vision-minded and he wants us to be missions-minded to be successful. Okay, He wants us to know both what we're doing now and what we want to be in the future. Okay, And we have to know that a mission should always accomplish the vision. They should work hand in hand, but they should, they will focus on a little different facets of what you want to accomplish. So Proverbs 29, 18, this is in the New King James Version. Your NIV won't say it like this. All your newest versions won't say it like this, but I believe that the New King James says it perfectly. Where there is no vision, what does it say? The people perish. You want to perish? I sure as heck don't. 
You know, as a church, do we want to be perishing? No, then there, then there needs to be vision. There needs to be direction. There needs to be guidance. You know, and I think if we do a great job as leadership of this church when we say, what do we stand for? What do we believe? Or somebody asks you, what is your church like? What are they, what, what are they, what, what are they, you know, how, how would you explain our church? I hope that you can communicate it fundamentally, not just saying, hey, they have great music and a good word. No, but what do we stand for? What is the compass that guides and dictates what we do and don't do as a church? So as I unpack our vision, our vision and our mission, this is going to give us the, 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 the foundation establishment of what we stand for, what we believe, and it's intertwined in everything. Okay? So without vision and direction, we will never reach our destination or know where to go. Proverbs 16, 9, it says, the, in, the, in his heart, a man plans his course. But the Lord determines his steps. So it always happens like that. So, you know, Becky and I, as we continue to lead this church, we are continually asking God to guide and direct us confidently that as we make our plans, God will direct our steps. It's, nothing, it's something I shouldn't be nervous about, even though I was six months out. But what God was speaking to me said, keep the course. I can be so long-term focused that I'm tripping over the here and now. You ever done that? I'm not, I mean, I mean I'm so, so far, oh, I want to accomplish this, and I stumble and fall. It's like, man, what are you doing? Well, you, you still got to survive the here and now. There's still decisions to make right now. There's things still to work through right here to accomplish everything that your vision instates. So the previous year, last year, we looked, at, we looked at foundation, family, and fellowship. And I believe that as I evaluate the year, I am a planner. I structure things. I look at things. I, I ask the hard questions of, did we do a good job or did we fail miserably? I ask those hard questions and I try to evaluate myself critically to say, hey, what did we do good? What should we have done better? Where did we hit the mark? Where did we not hit the mark? But when we look at those three principles of foundation, of family and fellowship, I believe that there was an enhanced focus on every single one of these this last year. We, we covered basic fundamentals, basics, we covered family concepts, and we encouraged fellowship. You know, and I have seen growth in our fellowship mentality at this church this last year. You know, so we have to know that foundation is fundamental and we'll continue to secure the foundation. You just don't worry about the foundation anymore. We continue to reinforce it, okay? And we make sure that it's a secure foundation. You know, but the Lord is continuing to lead Becky and I to continually build the house. What good is a foundation without, without something standing on top of it? It's totally pointless, right? Why would you spend all, if you've ever built a house, I talked to a Stephen and Chrissy about some of that process of them building a home and they poured the slab and my question, I'm a business guy, right? Well, how much was the slab? It was a lot. To invest just in the slab and never build the house, how ignorant would that be? It's very costly to do it right. Now, some people, they'll do less slab. They won't dig as deep. They won't do the prep work. They won't establish the foundation correctly, and you, you're going to pay the consequences later. But to do it right, it takes time. It takes focus. And then sometimes you don't have the variables of everything that you know. Sometimes the, the ground will shift, even if you did everything right. So as a church, just know that our foundation, we will continue to reinforce it to make sure it's secure that we can stand on it for years and years and decades to come. We don't want to have to worry about, hey, does our church have a foundation? No, it will have a foundation. So as we go forward, we'll continue to focus on these concepts, but it will not be the focus point of all of our concepts, okay? 
because it will already be established. You understand that? If the foundation is good, I need to start worrying about all the, all the walls and the rafters and that all the, you know, all the boards are straight. There's a lot of other issues that we work through, right? So as we focus on our continual pursuit forward in building and leading the church, it's time to look at our vision and our mission for our church. So this is the framework for everything we will do in the direction we go. We have to understand that our mission and vision, it is going to work as a compass, and it dictates, listen to this, what we will and won't do. Well, pastor, you're telling me things, there's things we will not do. Absolutely. But there's a lot of things we will do also. But if there's no guidance, if there's no understanding of what we, we see as the priority, you know, then we're going to miss the mark because, guys, there's a million and a half good things you can do. But what we want to do is the God things that we can do. We want to focus on what is in the heart of God as we move forward. So our vision here at Harvest Time Church is to be a home. Have you guys, is that the first time anybody's ever heard that, that we, we talk about our, our church being a home? Everybody has heard that concept? You know we have an acronym meaning what we mean about that? How many of you have a bulletin? Look on that front page. And if you look at those bottoms, we've slightly adapted that acronym to be a little bit more precise, but it covers the same concept. So you didn't realize every single Sunday we were giving you some of our vision. We just haven't done a great job as far as communicating that as a whole and, and really making sure we're paying attention to those things. So when we look at a home, the home concept, so all of these, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you what they are and then we're gonna look at them really quickly. So the first one, it used to be hearts of servants, but we want to be more pinpoint and we want to say a heart to serve because that makes it personal, that we expect you to have a heart to serve, open arms, mission-minded, and then equip and empower. We changed that last little part. The reason being, we can equip you all day, but if we don't empower you to do anything, what's the point? You can condition, you can exercise, you can learn the plays, you can do all, you know, Lonnie was talking about football this morning. They can polish, they can train, they can run, they can condition. If they are never allowed to play the game, what is the point? So there's an equipping process and then there is going to be an empowering process where we release you guys to, to function in your gifting, in your calling, in, by design of what God has called you to be and what God has called you to do. So a heart to serve. Matthew 28, or 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. We serve, why? Because Jesus served. We should have the same DNA as our Creator to that which we serve. So let me, let, let me, let me polish here just a little bit. If our desire is not to serve, but to be served, how many of you guys know that is a selfish motive? And when we decided to follow Christ, what are we to do? We are to die to the flesh, crucify the flesh, and serve through God, through Jesus. Just as he served, we serve also. Open arms, what does this mean, man? We will, uh, we will love and accept all people, treating them as we would want to be treated. You know, I, I know a lot of people say, well, I'm not a people person. I, I, you know, I mean, there's some people that, you know, uh, that really like people, but I don't really like people. But I'm asking you, if we have new visitors, if we have people that we come in contact with, you know, you're like, I don't even know what to do. There's this thing called a hand 
Just stretch it out and say, hey, it's nice to meet you, man. Glad you're here today. And then if you get real awkward, then after that, say, my name is, say your name. And that's it. If something else opens up from there, I mean, to me, that is one of the fundamental things. You know, I've been reading this book talking about being, being a, uh, a welcoming church, and that was one big thing. It says people be like, hey, what's up? And then just leave, and it's like, well, that was awkward. I don't, you know, I don't know you. You don't know me. You're not going to say your, your name or like, you know, or not looking somebody in the eyes. And I know that's a hard one sometimes to look people in the eyes like, I'm leaving. You know, it's like, man, like, uh. That was awkward, but I believe that in this concept of when we say open arms, it's not just the interactions with people, it's our perception of how we think of people. Okay, when I say open arms, and and we've been challenged in this church a little bit when uh, we've had people visit maybe that don't meet the criteria or don't look like what we would expect the church person to look like. You guys understand what I'm talking about? And uh, there was a lot of people really flustered. They said, hey, did you see so-and-so? It's like, yeah, I met him this morning. Well, you, you saw him, right? Yeah, I saw him. I mean, what do you want me to do about it? I'm glad he's at church. Well, but have you seen him? Yeah, I've seen him, but we're an open arms church. Whoever walks through, the, through the, the doors of this church, we want to welcome. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, we might not look as good as we look today, guys. And some of you this morning, I'm not here to like, correct you, but some of you may look good on the outside, but you're really ugly on the inside. Just because you look like you got it together doesn't mean that you're not cuckoo and crazy. We just put up with you. Why? Because we're an open arm church. We love all people. Why? Because God loves them. And if God loves them, I pray that God gives me the ability to love people. And I believe that God will give you to that. If you, if you, have, if you say, man, I'm, it's just, I'm gonna have a hard time connecting with people or you know, uh, you know, we call it what is it, socially awkward. Man, that God will give us grace because in order for you to impact people, guess what? You gotta be connected with people. Open arms. And I need your help doing that. I can't catch all of them. Okay, so we wanna be, first we wanna have a heart of, heart of servants. We wanna be open armed. Luke 6, 31, do as to others as you'd have them do to you. That's pretty easy, right? What do you expect? Well, man, it'd be nice if somebody said hi. And maybe you're a hugger person that likes to hug. Man, I would love somebody to give me a hug. Give hugs, just be careful because they got a proximity radius too. Be careful, you know, like test the waters before you just go around hugging people. You know, um, you, see, you see those commercials and all those things of people that are just like, do not, you know, either it's germs or whatever proximity or it's just like you go in and it's like, oh, that's good. Nice to meet you. And it's just keep your space. So, you know, be considerate of new people. Now, if church, family, people that you know, man, high fives, hugs, we're cool with whatever. Just make sure it's appropriate. It's inappropriate. We'll have that conversation later. Right. But be open arms. Treat others as if you how you would want to be treated. Mission minded. So what do I mean when I mean mission minded? For a while on this bulletin, some of you may have read it, we had missions-minded. I took that S off because when I say mission, what I am talking about, and we'll look at this in, in a few, few weeks, is the commission of what God has asked us to do here on the earth. I'm not talking about jobs. I'm not talking about family. I'm saying specifically, what has God commissioned us to do? Okay. Being, knowing that there is a mission, there is a task to take care of, there is something that I have to do, and there is an urgency about it. 
Okay, so when we talk about mission, there is a mission, and I think each of us have to answer that question. This, the area of influence we have, the the you know the talents or the gifts that God has given you, you know what has God, what is God's mission for your life, guys? That goes way beyond outside of these four walls. You know, the the, the only place the commission should should have should not have is just not just in the four walls of the church. The commission is everywhere we go. Everybody we come in contact with, it's bigger than we understand. That's something that God has really been showing me, and we're going to unwrap that uh, in a few weeks. We'll look at that. So we have a commission from God to impact the world, to be his hands and his feet to the lost and dying world. Being missions-minded has nothing to do with knowing I have a specific task and purpose to do with partnering with Christ. So we have to understand that what, in, in essence, this is all about reaching the world for Christ. You're like, that's it? Yeah, saving the lost? Absolutely. Are we doing that? Are people being saved at church? Are, are our friends coming to know the knowledge of the Lord? Those are questions, vital questions we need to ask because I think we all know people that don't know the Lord who are, who are either family members or we work with them or we're around them all the time. And the big question with the commission is, what are you going to do about it? Well, I just hope they come to church and you can lead them to the Lord. Oh, don't, don't take that easy way out. You're around them every single day. And there is a specific commission that God has with you involved in people's lives in the commission he has for you. There's things that you can do that I can't do. Doesn't mean I won't help you out. That last one, equip and empower. So we added empowering uh, here because equipping the church without empowering the church with the opportunity to minister, it just would not make sense. You know, our church makes it uh, our responsibility to train and raise you up to be effective in ministry, and then we release you to serve where you fit best. So you have to understand that every single one of us has a role to play. You guys understand that? You have a role to play. You know, you're not here just to fill a seat in this church so that it looks full and it looks like we got it going on and just showing up on a Sunday morning. There's more to the picture than that. You know, so as, as you're equipped, we empower you and we release you to do what, uh, what God has put in your heart to do. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, as I came on as pastor, there, you know, everybody's really concerned about my opinion or what I want or what I like or what I don't like. Decorations, all of these things, and we couldn't do anything without them asking me first. They're like, hey, well, do you like this? Do you like this? Do you not like this? And, and some of them have kind of caught on what I like and what I don't like, but I learned I was getting wore out from having to decide all that. How many of you know we got decorators in the house and we got people who decorate their homes beautifully and the church is just like that? Take it as your own, work in that gifting. I am not an interior decorator. I am a clean, crisp, it looks nice and, you know, make sure people feel welcome, make sure it looks like we're taking care of it. When we start talking about floral and colors and plants, I found out the plants that I had in the front were the hardest to keep alive just recently. I said, Pastor, you did a good job keeping alive for the last six months, but those are the hardest plants to ever keep alive. Man, I wish I'd have known that. They were dying every two weeks. I had to bring them back to life. Cardiac arrest, man. Put some water and pray them back to life. But, man, there's, there's plants that are low maintenance. I was like, put me one of those in there. You guys have seen these out here thriving from Christmas? I looked twice. I said, man, are these fake? And Becky says, no, they're real. I was like, that's the plants we need year-round. 
Right, but, it's, but there are people that specialize in certain things, and man, in this house, we want to release you to do those things. We can polish along the way, and I think we'll figure out what, is the, uh, what we want our church culture to look like, what we want the feel to be, all of those things. We're going to look at culture in just a minute. But I, I think don't be fearful of being you. Don't, you know I mean? and, and one thing that we're willing to do, we know that if we allow other people to work alongside us, it's going to look different than if we did it ourselves. And you guys know we're okay with that because I would rather it be done than me have to do all of it. So some of that is working smarter, but a lot of that is I want to focus on what God has asked me to focus on and allow people who say, man, I'm here to serve. I can do whatever. I just don't know what I need to do. It's like, man, what are you good at? What do you like to do? How many of you guys know that on a football team, when a running back Sorry, I'm talking a lot about a lot of football. You ladies are like, man, let's talk about something else. I just talked about floral and plants and stuff, so let me go back to the guys just for a minute. How many of you guys have ever watched when a, a person on the team is running the ball a lot or the receiver catches a lot of passes? You'll see that coach take them out just for a minute. I don't know if you see it. You may see it or you may not, but you'll see the same running back in there, the key component person. And then, you know, they've, they've, been, they've been the workhorse. They scored all these points. They've either gotten all these yardage. Well, he'll pull them out for just a moment. What is he, why, why does he do that? Take a breather. But key component people, does the coach ever keep them on the sideline? When's the only time they're on the sideline? To rest or if they're injured? Because it would be ignorant of a coach to have your star players not playing the game. So that's what it's all about, guys. When I talk about equipping and empowering, it is releasing you guys because you do the job the best. And we want you to do what you do and excel in that. Guys, I understand my heart on that. Equip and empower. So the next thing, this is something completely new to this church. We have, you, you know, as far as I know, maybe y'all had a mission statement. I have never seen a mission statement at this church. So we prayed about what mission statement, what, what really covers the DNA of what we believe our church to be. So this is our mission statement, okay? It says, bringing all people into a relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going toward God's given purpose. That's in your bulletin. You're like, oh, I need to write it down. It is in your bulletin. This is something that we are going to communicate on a regular basis. It is super, super easy. I didn't want to make it something so complicated that we couldn't understand it. But the first and foremost is that we have to understand that Christ first and foremost died for who? All people. That's what started that framework is it, you know, I didn't say the church, our church, harvest time church. I said all people. So that's not just the ones that are church, that, are, that look good, that are, that are already in the four walls. All people into a real relationship. So there's a reason we put real also. How many of you know there's phony baloney relationships? I might just know somebody by proximity. I really don't have any relationship. What we want is a real relationship with Christ. And here's how we accomplish, accomplish this. By first and foremost, knowing who Christ is. Right? You got to know who he is. Secondly, what do we want? We want growth. You know, if some of you guys are stuck just on the knowing, man, we are going to push you this year to growing. And then once you go into the growing process, we want you to move into the going towards God's given purpose for your life. You're saying, man, no, all these things are tied together. That's exactly my point. They all work hand in hand. 
What would be the point of knowing and never going and doing what God has called you to? There's no point in knowing. You're not going to be all that God has called you to be. There needs to be a growth process. Then there needs to be a going process. And, you know, I think it's, it's just one of these things that we need to continually do. So bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. Can you guys say that? Say knowing, knowing. Growing, growing, and going. That's the essence of all that. If somebody asks you, what does your church stand for? Man, well, you know, something Pastor Noah was talking about, mission something, but they're all about knowing, growing, and going. Well, what does that mean? Uh, glad you asked. Hopefully you can regurgitate that. Well, man, first and foremost, we want people to know Christ. Number one, you don't know Christ. I mean, that, that's the only thing that's going to get you, either going to get you to heaven or going to send you to hell. If you don't know Christ, you're in a bad spot. I would rather you be saved and know who Christ is and we're working on that growth process than not knowing him at all. Because if you skip the first part and you don't know him, you can never grow. Man, I had somebody a long time ago, they were about, you know, because, you know, we talk about, you know, fruits will be known by their, you know, trees will be known by their fruit. And uh, I was talking about some of the ugly stuff in my life and I was like, well, this and this and this. And the person had the audacity to be like, what do you even know Christ? I was like, oh man, like, because I was having stunted growth. There were things that weren't changing in my life. Now, I'm not saying I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, but what did I need to do? I need to, I need to know more who Christ was. I was limited in my understanding of who God was, who Christ was, what he did for my life. But when we truly know him, we will grow. And when we truly go, we will become and go and do all that God has called us to. So it's important to know what's in God's heart for all to come to a relationship to him. And we need to know that that's where the mission starts in knowing God. So then we hope that there is a process of growing in your walk with God that ends going towards all that God has purposed you to. So we have to understand that every person is born with a purpose and a destiny. Okay, we have to understand, you know, in the, in the heart of God, 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. And this in verse 4, it says, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's heart. You know, some of us have our mind made up, well, I guess so-and-so is just supposed to go to hell. Or, hey, there's no hope for that person, you know, but we have to understand God's heart in the matter. He wants to see those ones that, that don't look like redeemed Christians to be saved and to come to the knowledge of Christ. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He has something for you to do. He has plans. He has agendas. He wants you to be involved in the big picture process. And that's one thing we hope to really reshape this year that you really realize what that is and you thrive in what, what God has called you to already do. The mission and vision of this church should, should not only define who we are and what we do, but it should also drive the culture of our church community. So we're going to look at the word culture. So one of our biggest goals this year is to evaluate the culture where we are now, clarify what we want the church culture to be, Okay. Uh, um, culture takes time to change. You just can't flip-flop a culture and say, okay, we're going to start doing this now. Uh, did you know that almost, 
almost every time that that culture will trump a mission and vision if the culture does not support the mission and vision. So what does that mean? If I don't love people, if I'm not open to arms and I'm not welcoming and all that stuff, and and we say this and you know we have this we have this mission and vision, and you're just like, thanks for coming this morning. Yeah, go find you a seat. Like, I mean, good luck. You, you're here late. You're gonna have to sit in the front. Like, I mean, whatever. I mean, come on, man. Like that culture. Like, is it loving people? Is it loving God? So what I'm saying is, our culture can affect everything. It doesn't matter what we say we want our culture to be. We have to evaluate what our culture is. Once we figure out where our culture is, we can figure out where we want our culture to go. And that takes time to, time to push it that way. So culture can be defined as what is normal here. It can also be defined how the church feels or behaves. So, we, you know, when we think about it, you know, like I hope some of the things that stand out to you is that, hey, man, we're a fellowship church. We like to hang out before and after service. You know, we, you know, it's, 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 you know, that there are some things that you understand the culture of the church that, hey, you know, there are opportunities to uh, connect with the pastor. That's one thing I'm intentional with. I try to go around and I try to make, I try to not be a disconnected pastor where I show up for the message. I'll say, all right, you guys stand, y'all pray. All right, y'all have a, have a good weekend and I'm going to my office and you never see me. Not saying all churches do that, but I try to be approachable. I try to be relational. I try to know you by name. I try to follow up with you the week after. I'm gonna, I try to be an approachable pastor. That's a culture thing. That's something we try to be intentionally, intentional with. You know, I encourage our worship teams, our, our youth pastors to be relational. Like, you know, like this is something that, you know, a dynamic that we want to see happen. So when we talk about what's normal here, what have we gotten comfortable with? Um, you know, some of you this morning may be asking, well, why are we focused on, on the culture of this church anyway? We have to understand that our vision and mission should determine the church culture, but it doesn't work that way. So we have to focus on the culture. I can't just say, hey, let's focus on mission and vision and hope that that is what, what catapults us forward. If I do not focus on the culture of our church. I'm going to read this one more time. It says, the church's culture can trump your church's mission and vision, even without saying a word. How you act, how you respond, how, how you treat others, like all of these dynamics affect church culture. We can undo a great mission by having a terrible culture. That mission statement, I really love it. It was, you know, I was so scared about writing the, the mission statement. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with that. And I wrote that mission statement really, really fast. And I was like, man, this has to be a fluke. There's no way that's it. I wrote it. I printed it. I put it on my wall and I left it for months. I thought about it. I said, man, is there anything we can add to that? Is there anything that we can, that we need to take away from that? And I was like, knowing, growing and going, that's pretty simple. And that covers every single one of our bases. All people, man, every single one of us, it covered the ground of the fundamental mission of the church right now. And I really believe that was God-inspired. These are the things that we want to be a successful church. But if our culture is all messed up, it'll never work. So the, triple, the simple truth is a bad organizational culture will always kill a great organizational mission. Every single time. So sometimes looking at, at our church, you know, looking at, at, at the church, uh, it, it, we have this my own child syndrome, right? You know, and most parents would say what? Mine are always the best, right? 
I mean, I know some of us, like, especially like our first kid or when we didn't know that, yeah, our kids really weren't all that great. We were just naive to that, right? But we have this mine is the best syndrome. Now, that's not always the case, but our perspective can be distorted uh, when we don't look at the church objectively, when we don't try to see the church from the outsider's look, right? There's just things that become normal, things that become commonplace, things that we become so familiar with that we no longer see them because we don't look at them objectively. So a successful church will offer growth and community for the believer and will also welcome unbelievers to experience the presence of God in a way where they will be made welcome into the family of Christ. We have to establish a church that's built for all people. So the, current, the, the culture that we currently have right now listen to this, guys, is a byproduct of what we have either created or what we have tolerated. We've either created the culture or we've tolerated something, and that has created the culture. So some of the questions we have to ask ourselves, what is normal here? And I ask you to self-evaluate. Evaluate the church. Evaluate yourself. And this is one of just a few questions. It says, are we a church that serves? Now, don't be so quick to say, well, I serve. That's not the question. Are we a church, collectively, corporately, that serves? Are we? Number two, are we welcoming to, all, to any and all types of people? Now, some of you might truthfully not want to ask that, answer that question. Oh, what are, I don't know about those kind of people. Well, I know this guy from from Bay City, or, hey, you know about this guy? I guess not. And you get all uneasy or whatever. I'm, you know, guys, I'm not saying don't be smart, don't be safe. I'm saying be welcoming. Why? Because Christ died for who? All people. Somebody gave you a chance when you didn't really look like much, probably, and it's greatly benefiting to you. So are we welcoming to any and all types of people? Do we, have a, do, we, do we live a lifestyle that is commissioned? Do we have goals? Do we have a mission? Do we know what the heck we're doing? Or we just show up on a Sunday morning to eat the breakfast, to hang out for a little bit, check the mark, and say, man, I went to church this, this Sunday. And that's it. Are we commissioned? So we're going to define that word a little bit more in the, in the coming weeks. But do you know, or is there a purpose? Is there a plan? Is there something that we are to do? Do we live a lifestyle uh, that's commissioned. So are you equipping and empowering others? So what does that mean? Are you in, in, imparting yourself into others? Are you investing yourself? Are you finding a, a, maybe a young adult or maybe, maybe you've been a mom for a long time? Are you, are you bringing a new mom under your wing and helping her? Because I'll tell you what, if you, if you survive motherhood more than once, you get a good education. It's like, oh yeah, don't do that. Oh, you pick your baby up every time they cry? Good luck with that. Well, they're crying. <laughs> Good luck with that. Three years later, they'll still be doing it, right? You know, there, there's things that we learn, you know, but that's just one example. You know, uh, men of God, are you teaching young boys how to become men? Are you investing in, in the next generation? You know, are we impacting others? Are we, are, are we equipping and empowering others? Have you positioned yourself to be equipped and empowered by others? Oh, you mean I'm going to submit myself to somebody else? Well, I ain't doing that. And good luck. You know, like, I mean, I, I just think that every, every person is under authority to some degree. Every person. 
You can never live a life apart from authority. If you say, well, yeah, I can. Well, ultimately, Christ and God are the number one authority, so you will always be under authority. And sometimes God puts authority in your life to shape you to become all that God has called you to be. And we don't always see that at the time. Sometimes we see those people or those catalysts as the bad guy. You're trying to make my life hard. Why don't you just let me do whatever it is we want to do, right? And we don't see the results of that till we've either lived it or, or, you know, you ever seen a cat when you're trying to pull them and they claw in and they just, they, they are ruthless and will not let go. I think that is the example of what it looks like uh, sometimes of somebody who is not positioning yourself to be equipped and empowered by others. You want what you want and you don't want to be told what to do. I got, man, young man syndrome, man. That's what I called it when I was young, young and dumb. Well, I thought I knew everything. And then I shake my head later and I still don't want to tell anybody they were right, but they were right. You still fight with that. It doesn't matter how old you get. Like, man, my dad was right, but I ain't telling him he was right because I'm the man. And I think we, we do that, man. You know, we just, we think we got to figure out, well, I don't want to ask for help. If I ask for help, it's a sign of weakness. How many of you ever almost broke your back lifting something? The older I get, I'm like, man, I got to cut that out. I'm going to be all messed up and then I'm going to have to believe in a chiropractor. Always tease my wife about back issues because I've never had them. If I'm not careful, the older I get, I'm going to end up messing something up. But mainly, you know why I do it? Pride and arrogance. Hey, brother, you mind come helping me do this? Hey, whoa, brother, you, you're too weak. You can't do it by yourself. You know, the antagonist. <laughs> Going to mess ourselves up, guys, you know, not allowing others to be involved in our life. We need help sometimes, and that's what that's all about. We need people to equip, you know, and, and release us into being all the, and empowering us into be all that God has called us to be. So different types of culture cultivators. I'm just going to look at a few of these real quick, and we're going to move on. So there, there can be a culture of excellence or mediocrity or just, you know, being excellent or mediocre. So I was thinking about this. I was like, man, how can I communicate this? And I hope nobody's offended or anything like this, but pull up this first picture for me. All right, if any of you have seen this, you know immediately where this is at and what this is. So when I talk about pursuing excellence versus being mediocre, when I see this, does this look like I really give a rip or I care or it's not a big deal? What's your first perception? I don't care, right? Go to that next slide. It kept getting worse. You get past that, that, that welcome, and then, hey, the, the speaker doesn't work. The, you know, there's tape on it. There, it. So my mind is going crazy when I'm like, this is a cultural nightmare. Because they can say, we got the best, cheapest, awesome, extra mostest pizza ever. You guys know what restaurant we're at looking at, right? How many of you all support them? I do way more often than I probably should, right? Go to that next slide. So this is not, I mean, I'm sitting here in the drive-thru, the speaker ain't working, so I'm in a line. Man, this is a great view. I'm just looking at the wall, there's trash on the floor. I'm like, man, this is a cultural nightmare because there is no commercial in the world once I live through the experience of actually just going through the drive-thru of what I'm looking at. Go to the next one. Okay, oh, this is Starbucks. So how many of you know there is a complete cultural shift between these two? I love, go how many of you just like, you know, I mean, 
Starbucks is super expensive and overpriced and all that stuff. And if you love it, just use extreme caution of how often you drink their expensive coffee. But most people go to Starbucks for the atmosphere and the culture that is created there. Man, I couldn't figure out which picture I wanted. They were all awesome. I was like, dude, if my, if my, if my living room looked like that, or I would I even like coffee. I just like sitting here looking around, you know, like the, a culture of excellence. They care about people's perspective. They care about what people think. And we can get so comfortable. How many of you guys have not noticed those, all those things in that drive-thru for a while? Didn't notice them. Any of y'all or everybody saw them? Well, how many of you don't look at it every time now? You just go through the drive-thru and it just is what it is. Every single one of us. Now, Be- Becky, she was tearing me up. She goes, can you show that? I was like, I, I mean, I, I don't know who owns the store. I was, and she was like, those, those girls are going to watch you take it. I said, I don't think they own it. They're just working here. I said, this is a management issue. This is a leadership. This is an oversight issue. You guys cannot control the variables of this church, but we can in regards to what it looks like, what it feels like, and, and just the culture that we create here. In this last year, we have made leaps and bounds to adjust that. We are still a work in progress, but when I talk about culture, do we care about our facility? Do we care about what it looks like? Do we want comfortable seating? Do we want great lighting? Do we want things to look nice and to create an atmosphere where it looks like we give a rip? Absolutely. And, and, and not that all of y'all have control, and some of y'all might be sitting there saying, man, it's about time. But it really, there's a balance between different variables that I think you go through, right? You know, if we were at a place where we couldn't do a lot, I pray to God we're still doing something to enhance the culture. I heard a story about a church that didn't have coffee. And I was like, man, we couldn't do that at our church. <laughs> I might have, I mean, like uh, talking about a lot of the things that you can do as a pastor to split the church down the middle, that might be one of them here. <laughs> Say, hey, we're not having coffee. Well, I'm going to find another church that has it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, no coffee to me. I was like, I wouldn't know how to survive. And, you know, at some point you get to the point you just drink it because you like it, not because it tastes good. You know, like it just, it just becomes more of you just drink coffee. Does it help you? Does it wake you up? Not at all. You just drink it, right? It's a culture thing, you know a place of hospitality, a place that's welcome. So what I'm talking about, I really wanted to make sure we understand what culture is, what it creates, what we look like, what are, what are people's perception from the outside looking in. And uh, one thing we always do in our new membership class, and some of you I know are signed up, we always ask the question, what can we do better? What was your first perception when you walked in? Did anybody greet you? Did you know where to find the restrooms? Did you know where to... You ever been in a, in a store where you're trying to find the restroom and they got horrible signage? It's a frustrating thing ever, especially if you got your little three-year-old, you're trying to get to the restroom and you went to the... You're supposed to go northeast and you went southwest. Where's the restroom? It's over there, sir. Oh, signage, man. You're killing me and my daughter's about to pee her pants. <laughs> Struggle is real, guys. Like, you know, like... So all of these things matter. What we create, what we do, and... Man, one thing, guys, I'm always open to things that we can do to improve. A lot of people don't want to be critical. They don't want to think about it, you know? So that's something just we need to always do. Another big one, you know, safety versus danger. You know, is a, is a, is a place safe or is it dangerous? You know, there are some things that we're doing to be intentional. There are a lot of things we are working through to make this place as safe as possible. Um, you know, I don't, you know... I think, you know, 
we did have a church shooting a while, you know, just last this last week that has the potential to shake people's perspective of safety and, hey, what are we doing? And I, I just want to let you know that we are consistently thinking about what can we do to make it safer. Can I guarantee 100% safety? I don't think anybody can. You got to drive to and from church. And I've seen many, many of people run stop signs, stop lights, and just move on, right? So culture things, safe, dangerous, what does it look like? Are we friendly or are we closed off? You know, that's, that's a big, big aspect. How many of you guys have, have, see, have seen this person? My wife, because uh, I was saying, I was saying, hey, you know, I, want, I told her I wanted to give an example about your Walmart door greeters. Man, there are great ones. There's rough ones and there's absent ones. You know, I think Be- Becky, she told me, she goes, I got a great example for that. She says she walked into Walmart the other day and the lady, you know, you know, because they're supposed to be right there greeting you when you come in. Well, the lady was over here talking to another cashier, but she was kind of flustered or whatever. Man, like, like they were arguing or something and she knew it. And like Becky kind of walks, she's like, what do I do? And like, do I wait for them to come greet me? And then it said that the person turned around, was like, oh, hey, hey, welcome. And then turned around and kept talking again. That is a greeting failure. If I was a manager and I walked in, I'd be tearing somebody up, say, you had one job and you're not doing it. So we have people that greet at the door. You know, we try to get people with good personalities and people that like people. You know, that's one of those things you're like, man, I just, I don't know about that, Noe, if I can do that. But man, you know, we want people who are smiling, who are excited, who genuinely like people. Like the, the, the reason it is so influential that person and our greeters, do you guys realize that is the first exposure that people have to our church? Before they meet me, before they hear our worship, before they hear a message, before they know our elders, before they know our mission, before they know our vision, what they receive when they hit that door matters. Did you know that most people will, will figure out what they believe about a church in the first 15 minutes? I didn't even get a chance to preach in 15 minutes. The worship team might have got cranked up, maybe not. They got here early. They, so what that means is they could possibly be heading for the door before we even did anything that are our big parts of our service, that are maybe the things that you really, really like about the service. I hope you enjoy worship. I hope you enjoy the message. I hope you enjoy the fellowship. I hope you appreciate us having greeters out there, you know, all of these things. But in the first 15 minutes, I didn't get a chance to do anything. And, you know, we've had a, it was, it's really crazy because I've heard a few people, man, this is very few. And I kind of scratched my head, how the heck did that happen? But they say, when I showed up, nobody talked to me. And I was like, how the heck did you pull that off? You know, I don't know, you know, and I don't know if it was just a fluke or it was just more their perspective. But when I hear that, I always question that, man, well, how did we miss them? Was there somebody at the greeter? Were they sitting here? Because I know, I know most of the time, new people, and I don't know if you realize this or not, most new people don't go straight back to the coffee spot unless somebody goes with them. Most your new, pe- new people will come in. They don't really know about the, hey, show up at 10 o'clock for breakfast and fellowship and all of that stuff. So they'll get here right before 1030. They'll come, they'll sit down, and if nobody's in here paying attention to them, they'll sit there and do absolutely nothing. Well, how do you know that? I've seen it. You know, hopefully if I'm around, I'll interject or, but you know, that's one of those things where you can say, Hey, you know, man, it's early, you know, Hey, we have coffee. Let me show you around the facility. And just because you're not a greeter or you're not a hostess does not mean that you can't impact the culture of the church. Everybody has the potential to impact culture. 
So you mean know if I have a bad day and I just throw all my emotions out there and, and make somebody else have a bad day because I have a bad day, I can mess it up? Absolutely. You can. It's not just the critical positions or the critical people that, that affect the church. So anyone who serves in any way at harvest time has influence over the church's culture. So, uh, you know, that's why we call those who serve on our, you know, you know, our greeters, our hostess, our pre-service prep, our setup, our, you know, people who get here early, who stay after, um, our indoor, our facilities, like our people that take care of the lawn. We, we strategically call them our impact team. Why? Because they have the potential to impact everything, every dynamic of the church. So we believe here at the church that every minister uh, is a minister, and they have the power to impact the church in a positive or negative kind of way. You know, so I would just encourage you guys, realize that. Smile. I had a pastor that always says, man, if you're happy, notify your face. <laughs> you know, some people are just like, well, I'm happy. Really? <laughs> like, <laughs> convince me that you're happy, right? You know, it's just like, well, I just got a, I got a grumpy face is what they tell me. And use, a, use some different muscles. You know, turn, that, turn the frown upside down, smile. You know, if you can't smile, think about my joke. If you're happy, notify your face. and Look people in the eyes, be excited, right? It's so simple, you know. Uh, I had a pastor that said the same thing. He says, man, you know, uh, I just love worship leaders that smile all the time. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, and, and I'm a musician, so I, I know what it is. If you're playing a riff or something, and you are like in that like zone, well, you look like you're mad at the world. Somebody just kicked your dog. It's like, man, you're, fa you're just like, like just short of snarling. And like you're just face, and it's just like, oh, but I'm into it. So every now and then, I tell myself, anytime I'm on the platform, man, I got to smile. I got to at least make it look like I'm having a good time. I mean, I'm, I am. My heart is having a good time. My face is not registering it. We have to smile. We need to be friendly. How people see that perception matters. We have to be mindful that those who have the greatest impact on church culture are those who are strongly connected to the life of the church. So we're going to look at a connection real quick. So we need to realize our need for one another and the connection that God desires us to have with each other. So God has always been a God that desires relationship. God is a relational, relational God, so we need to be a church that is also relational. What does that mean, relational? It means being involved, connected with people. You know, I think uh, God puts the people around us that we need to be all that he's called us to be. Good, bad, and ugly. I mean, I, I think I've had people in my life that were there, a thorn in my side, whatever you want to call it, as a catalyst to change my heart. Because they put me on edge. They frustrated me every day. I'd, I'd show up. It'd be like, man, not this person again. And when I think it was going to be, ah, it can't be that bad today also. Oh, it's bad that day too. <laughs> and you're just continually, you know, it's just, it's, it's what it is. It's polishing off those rough edges, Right? Now, I'm not saying we stay that way, but I pray that the church is not culturally that way. To where it's like, man, you know, all these people, you know, like all these, you know. There's, there's so many things that we can do that, that affect the people around us. Um, just, try to, just try to really uh, radiate positivity. Let me just leave it like that. I looked at an article 
and I thought about sharing it, and I didn't. But if you want to look up something for your own study time, look up the definition of a toxic person. I'm not going to share that with you this morning (laughs) because you may see some of those traits in your life. And it's like, oh, no, like my name and the definition of my life is right next to toxic person. But what I'm talking about is how these demeanors, these ways that just, you know, have the potential to suck the life out of the people to your left and to your right. We don't want to be that in this church. And that'll be maybe another message sometime. I mean, I read, I told, I read it to Becky. I was like, what you think? She kind of looked wide eyed. I was like, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm not sharing it. <laughs> but it opened my eyes because like you hear it all the time. Oh, that person's toxic. You know, I was thinking, I was like, what the heck is a toxic? Oh yeah. But they're not as toxic as they thought, like by the definition, but just, uh, we want to make sure guys that we are friendly to, to most that we have more good days than bad days. Man, if you're having a hard time, pray before you get out of your car. Because I know life is real. I know days aren't great. You know, we, we may, you may have a fight before you got here, and then you tell your wife, hey, smile, we're about to walk in church. <laughs> it happens to pastors too, guys. <laughs> right? You know, we got to make sure that, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're coming with the right motives and the right heart, and that, you know, man, the, the church, is, is, it's a blessing to be around each other. But at the same time, giving each other grace to know that we're all a work in progress. If your friends are close to you, they know your weaknesses already. Like, man, you're always like over, like, just relax a little bit. Or maybe you're too lax. You're not serious enough. And we got to just give grace, guys, to, to those that, that God is surrounding us with. Because there is no option to not be connected with people. God wants people connected. So not having a connection in a church is like being a light bulb without a lamp, a car without a key, and a song without a word. You will never be what you were meant to be without the other. It is impossible. God has put people around us to cause us to be all that, that, that he's called us to be. So uh, this quote by Brene Brown, it says, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. That that is a power-packed statement. Look at some of those that I can give and I can receive without judgment. How many of us have a hard time with that? I feel like if I was really honest or if I shared, I'd be judged. Man, can we just share without feeling like we're going to be judged and really know that people are going to love us with our good, bad, and ugly days, right? You know, do I feel seen? Do I feel heard? Do I feel valued? That's what I'm talking about, guys, real connection. Because real connection, you should feel those things. And we derive our sustenance, our life, you know, and strength from that relationship. We leave that relationship feeling better about ourselves and encouraged rather than saying, oh, man, that was a bad day, right? You know, that we're excited, more excited about life when we leave than when we, when we first met up with them. So every person has, to, has a chance to impact those people they come in contact with. So if you've never been part of an impact team or involved with a ministry of this church, we strongly encourage each of you to do so. That is ultimately how you connect. So two questions I always ask people who have a hard time uh, with church connection is, first, have you attended consistently for any given amount of time? That's the first thing. It's like, well, how many times have you come? Well, once. 
It's probably not going to happen overnight. Like, you, you, you got to be present. You got to be here. Any good relationship? I mean, some, some are expedited. I've had some relationships where we just hit it off great, and we, it feels like we've been friends for years, and it's great, but there's other relationships that have been awesome, but they took a lot more time to build, right? The second, I, second question I ask is, did you get connected to, the, to, to any area in the church, men's ministry, women's ministry, life groups, impact teams? Did you connect with the church? So the first thing is just attending, Second thing is what? Connecting. One thing you have to know is you have to attend a church before you can connect with a church. You know, I, I have a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Harvest Town's my home church. I'm the pastor. I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where I grew up. That's my church. I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know it, you know, and that's not a bad thing, but I hear people say that all the time. Man, that's my whatever. That's my church. I, I grew up there. I was like, well, you grew up there, but you didn't stay there. I'm there every Sunday. I hadn't seen you. Right? You have, you have to be present. You have to be there. You know, you have to attend a church before you can connect to a church. You can't have one without the other. So it's very difficult uh, for you to feel connected to a church if you are not a- attending. Now, guys, I know there's shift workers. I know there's modified schedules. I, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, hey, skip work, call in sick, come to church. But I'm saying make church a priority. Be a part of what's going on here and then connect in some way. Figure out what you're good at. If there's something you like to do, you're like, hey, man, I like this and this and this. Where do you think I can serve best, Pastor? And we'll find somewhere to plug in. One of the biggest blessings, I was telling a couple this a few weeks ago, I said one of the biggest blessings to us is when somebody says, hey, you know, I don't really know what I'm good at, but, man, I will do anything you need me to do. Man, that's when my eyes open and I step back. I said, you know, now there's a testing, Right of when I actually apply something and you're like, I'll do anything, pastor. I asked you to do something. like, well, not that, pastor. <laughs> I thought you said anything. I had, I had a, uh, a couple that did that same thing. They had told me it was like four or five weeks before I asked them to do something. I said, I knocked on, I said, hey, I need to come to your house. Pastor shows up at your house. It's usually always serious, right? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I said, hey, I need to talk to you guys about something. There's an opportunity and... You guys said you would help wherever I need help. I need you in this position. I need you to help with this. And they've served. They're still serving. They've done a great job. So there has been an opportunity to respond to what they said they would do. And I think that's when the rubber meets the road, guys, when it's, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I'll do anything you need, man, anything, you know. And for us, because it's not always that we need a lot of stuff, but then there's like these hills and valleys, seasons of where it's like, hey, all hands on deck, man, we need help with this. This came up and... Man, we need, we're working through this project or we have this going on. But, you know, it, it's hard for us to balance uh, because what I don't want to do is I don't want you to feel obligated or feel like you are pressured into do any, doing anything. I want you to be willing and wanting to be a part of everything. Where I'm like, hey, calm down. Quit serving in so many areas. Just do one thing and then rest. Because I see people who are built to serve that serve in so many capacities, they're wearing themselves out. But one thing in this church, I believe that when we have all hands on deck and a lot of people are, are serving and helping, there is no lack, and it allows everybody to serve while you're able to rest. There's a dynamic that happens both, both there. I got, a, uh, I got a worship leader on the team. I'm not going to give a name. But every time I talk about taking a break, 
Oh, man, I don't want to take a break. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to be sitting right here while they practice. I was like, learn to rest. We're finally at the place where we can take breaks and we got breathing room and whatever and just rest in that. But we can't, we get so busy in doing that we don't learn to rest in being just a part of something. So there's a give and take on that, guys. But I, I would encourage you guys, if you've never been connected to the life of the church, pray about it, consider it. If, you're at, if you want to know how you can get involved, get with me, I'll connect you with the right person. I just, really, I got to just ask you a handful of questions and I'll probably know what direction to send you. Now, don't say, well, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do this, and I don't really like to do that, and then don't give me that option. So I'll be like, well, come back when you're really ready to serve. That's how that conversation is going to go. But if you say, hey, I like this, I like this, and I really would like to serve in some capacity, because that's something I really believe, guys, to accomplish all that God has called us to, man. He wants all of us to be involved in something. So it's just it's not enough just to attend a church, but it's in God's heart that you connect with a church. So our heart here at Harvest Time is to be a home with everyone to made feel welcome and free to be a part of the local body. So when we talk about our vision, we're a home. When we look at our mission, Knowing, growing, and going. Everybody has, has the, the home concept down now? Or we still have trouble with it? Is it something that most of you have known or you haven't known it? Make sure we realize this is a part of the DNA, a heart to serve, open arms, missions, mission-minded, and to be equipped and empowered. Let's look at this last uh, mission statement one more time, and I'm going to get you guys to repeat it with me. You guys go ahead and stand up. I've been talking to you guys for a while now. I think the more we say something, the more, the more it gets ingrained in our mind, right? The more we're exposed to something, the more we uh, can regurgitate it or we can quickly say, oh, this is what we're all about. So this statement is bringing all people into a relationship with Christ by knowing Growing and going toward God, towards God's given purpose. You guys say that whole thing with me one time. Bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. Let's state those three one more time. Knowing, growing, and going. And I hope each of you, as you evaluate that and you look at that process, you're somewhere on there. Man, because guys, if first and foremost, if you don't know God, that's the first step. That's the number one. Nothing, nothing else matters. I don't care what you do, what, what you accomplish, where you go. You can't accomplish the other two without the other, or it's in vain. Guys, you got, you got to know Christ. Maybe you've been going for, you know, you've been growing for a while, and you're at, you're at that place of you're like, all right, Lord, now what? And as you venture to ask that question and say, Lord, what's next in my life? What are you doing at this moment? He's going to give you two, one of two things. He's either going to ask you to stay the course and be okay with that. Or he's going to give you divine direction that you're going to have to be obedient to. Whichever one he gives you, I ask that you would submit to that. 
I tell you, going the course sometimes is comfortable. We get familiar with the road. And then God asks us to do something that maybe gets us out of our comfort zone a little bit. And we're kind of hesitant. It's like, hey, take a ride here. Oh, well, I'm just going to stay the course, Lord. <laughs> all of a sudden, that smooth road, all kinds of rocks and boulders, and you start having all kinds of issues. You're like, what is going on? You guys have all heard the story of Jonah when he didn't do what God asked him to do, and it was not good. That dude got swallowed up by a well. Now, if that ever happens to any of y'all, I hope you live to tell the story. <laughs> like, what did it smell like? What did it look like? How did that go? But I'll tell you what, that, that, that dude had a, had, a, had, a li- had a life transformation moment. So he said, hey, I didn't want to do what God told me to do, and it was not worth it. So this morning, I'm just going to uh, commission you guys, man, to, to this year, uh, allow God to, to inspire you, to, to, to speak to you, to show you what he wants you to do, and then be, be rapidly obedient. Man, I've talked to a lot of you in this room about gifts, of, of callings, of, of things, gifts that God has given you specifically. Now's the time to use them, guys. You're not getting no younger. I don't know if you know, today's my birthday. I'm one year closer to 40. Everybody looks and says, you're young. I said, yeah, but I've never been this old before. (laughs) I see my life slowly, you know, just fading away. Not that it's fading away, but you're like, you're still young. You don't know. (laughs) But in my mind, I've lived more than 35 years now. And I'm like, 35 years just went by this fast. And the older I get, the faster it goes. And the years that I want to hold on to, I can't keep a hold of. Life is so fragile and so quick. We have to take the moments of life now and seize the moment. Seize the day. If this year your year's been different, you say, man, I've went through a divorce. My life's over. No, it's not over. It's just a newness has begun. God knew the beginning from the end. He knew what you were going to go through. Maybe there's issues in your family this morning. You're like, I don't know how to work those out. My wife and I can never agree on anything. God will unify your hearts together and you'll learn to walk together in Jesus' name. Like I mentioned earlier, some of you are saying this morning, if this, la- this, la- this, this year is like last year, I will not make it. Now to some of you, he's going to give you fresh direction immediately. But to others, he may say, keep the course and my grace is sufficient. But know that when God directs you and he leads you, go in the way of it. Every single time. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.